Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. And today I'm going to tell you about the murder of Kim Wall. So pour yourselves a strong cup of joe, and let's dive in. continue on with our content for this week's episode shortly but first we wanted to take a moment to let you know about an opportunity to listen to even more crime over coffee content by signing up for our patreon you can receive ad-free episodes and additional content to check out this opportunity and sign up for the crime over coffee patreon visit www.patreon.com slash crime over coffee pod thank you again for all of your support a couple weeks ago i was in bed sick And whenever I'm in bed sick, I binge watch um, true crime documentaries, some history documentaries. But I came across this documentary on Netflix called Into the Deep. Um, And it presented this case that I'm going to present to you all. I do really recommend the documentary. Um, I'm not going to get as in-depth as it does, obviously. It's a whole movie. But um, there's also, I think a docu-series and I'm not sure what what it's on I think it was an investigation discovery maybe but anyway the Netflix into the deep documentary is really good and I do recommend watching it but I want to give you a heads up that if you have that on your list and you want to see it and you don't want any spoilers maybe watch it first and then come back and listen to this because obviously I'm going to talk about the murder and the outcome but I'm not going to get into super detail about some of the other nuances that the documentary dives into. In 2017, Kim Wall was 30 years old. She was a journalist and she was known as being very smart, very brave. Um, she would travel for work and she her work would take her into these intense areas, intense situations, and she reported on them. She was known to be very successful. She did some publications for the New York Times and for Vice and was all around just a very spirited woman who knew what she wanted and she would go get it, basically. And she had heard about this gentleman and his name is Peter Madsen and he was a Danish scientist, inventor. Um, He's got a couple different titles, I guess you could say. He was very successful in the sector of designing and creating submarines and rockets. And he was very interested in space travel. And he had successfully built and launched his first rocket in 1986. And at this time, he um, was kind of working for an organization where he designed this stuff. And at some point he says, Like, I'm not getting the credit for my design. I'm going to go off on my own. So he starts his own private company, I guess. Sorry, the terminology I'm not that keen on because I don't know a lot about, you know, space engineering and space travel. But (laughs) he was trying to build a rocket. He had successfully built a couple submarines as well. And those are kind of key in this story. At this time, he was the founder of the RML Space Lab, which a lot of the documentary takes place at this lab. So 
the Netflix documentary, it centers around this time period in the situation, but it was kind of happenstance. There was another reporter who was documenting Peter and his crew and RML Space Lab and their their work. And so the situation unfolds and it's at the same time that this documentary is being filmed. So there's a lot of footage in the documentary that is interviews with Peter, interviews with people around him as everything happens. And that's the part I'm not going to get that deep into that really makes it kind of creepy because you're getting this insight into a situation that you usually only hear about after the fact. I want to mention something that I thought was kind of interesting about him that the documentary doesn't touch on basically at all. They briefly mention it and move on, and I came across it in my research. He was actually married. I think he was 49 years old at this time, around 49. But his wife is not discussed at all um, during the documentary, and I guess her identity is kind of kept quiet. As I mentioned, Peter was a pretty smart guy. He, he was good at what he did. And because of that, you know, this one of the reason Kim wants to interview him. He is also kind of known, though, as a little narcissistic, kind of like a hothead, too. A lot of the people that worked with him were actually volunteers. And there were clips where he'd get all mad because people weren't showing up, but they weren't getting paid to do this work. They just thought it was a really cool project that they wanted to be a part of. Now, as I mentioned, he had also built some um, submarines. And one of them, the... UC3 Nautilus is one that this story centers around. So Kim was wanting to come out and meet Peter. And on August 10, 2017, Peter actually reaches out to her. She had reached out to him a couple times and he reaches out to her and says, hey, like, why don't you, why don't you come visit? We'll take a ride on the submarine. We'll do the interview. At this time, Kim was pretty, she was nearby. And she was with her, she had a boyfriend at the time that she was with, and they were actually planning to move from Copenhagen to Beijing. And they were going to be moving very soon after this visit. The day that she went to visit Peter and do the interview, they actually were supposed to have a going away party. She skipped it because she wanted this interview. And that's just, you know, another nod to the dedication she had to her her career. Yeah, because I'm assuming there was like a lot of friends and family from the area that she was, you know, going to say goodbye to. So, yeah, you would think so. Um, I think it just shows her drive. It really does. So Kim goes to meet Peter at the RML shop and they were supposed to do a two hour ride in the submarine from about 7 to 9 p.m. And then um, her boyfriend was expecting her home after. He's waiting for her. Um, She actually had sent out a text to him. There's a photo of Peter and Kim standing up in the manhole of the submarine before it's submerged, like waving kind of. So we have a photo of that. And then she texts her boyfriend saying that she was going down. She might not have service, basically. And that is the last time that we see Kim alive. Time passes by and it gets to 1.45 a.m. and Kim's boyfriend is like, nope, something is very wrong. And so he calls the police. And at this point, they kind of report that the submarine's missing at sea. And they're thinking something went wrong. Um, the, The submarine sunk somewhere. They weren't able to get back up. And we need to find them. And this allotment of air they would have would be something like 24 to 36 hours, assuming they weren't able to get back up. 
And so, you know, police are looking. The workers who know Peter are gathered. They're trying to figure out where he's at, what happened. And they're trying to think, you know, how can we find like a search and rescue mission for the submarine? And hopefully Peter and Kim are in it. Were Peter and Kim the only ones on the submarine at the time? Yes, it was just okay. it was just those two. At 10.30 a.m. that following day, the Danish Navy actually locates the submarine. And it's starting to sink when it's located. And so what they see is Peter swimming away to the rescue boat. And the submarine is sinking. And there is a clip of him um, getting off of getting off of the the rescue ship and walking down like the pier and his co-workers are like are you okay is everything okay and he's like yeah everything's fine every everything's fine and he just kind of goes and gets in a car and what he tells investigators and police is that he'd actually dropped Kim off on shore the previous evening and so he had said basically after their interview and him driving her around he dropped her off and he gave a location of an area that he dropped her off at. Okay. Is there any proof <laughs> of this? No. Okay. That's what I figured. And it's really interesting, the documentary at this point. Co-workers are like, someone took her. Like, we need to find her. And they're like searching around the town, searching the area, trying to find her. Police pretty immediately go ahead and arrest Peter and charge him with what they say is involuntary manslaughter at the time. Wait. They didn't assume that she just left on her own accord. Correct. And that she's just... Okay. They actually... They're like, something had to have happened. They they right away were like, uh-uh. We're not buying it. And... I'm impressed. Yeah. That's not... And, you know, maybe it's because it's not the U.S. investigators, <laughs> you know. But it's in Denmark. Who knows? But, yeah, they're, they're not buying his story. I'm not buying it. Yeah, I'm not buying it either. They're not buying it. They're not seeing any evidence of her being dropped off. And Peter changes his story the next day. He now says, well, it was an accident. She did die, but it was an accident. The hatch actually fell and hit her in the head, and then she died. And the hatch was like 155 pounds of metal. And he said he kind of freaked out, and he, quote, buried her at sea, end quote. I have a lot of questions. The first one, how did the hatch fall and hit her in the head? Where did he bury her at sea? How far deep were they? Like, did he, like, bury her, bury her? He just kind of, like, dropped her body. Also, why is he now changing his story? Because he realized, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. I, these are my questions. You you can answer them when you're ready. <laughs> well, Peter is sticking to this story for a while. And a couple weeks later, on August 21st, they tow in the submarine and they do look for evidence. They don't find Kim, though. Um, evidence does come up a couple weeks later on August 21st a torso is found and it's really close to where the submarine was found and had sunk and they do DNA and they find that it does belong to Kim Wall in addition to finding the torso and identifying it to Kim they also see and can identify that the torso had 15 stab wounds to it okay so something tells me that she didn't die from a hatch falling and hitting her on the head. Now, I've never been yeah. hit in the head with a hatch, like from a submarine. But I don't think that it typically causes stab wounds. No. It's 
it's not looking good. It's all signs, even though they kind of already were pointing to Peter and his sketchiness. And it's at this point that they changed the involuntary manslaughter to manslaughter. Rightfully so. Yeah, right. And they keep investigating and they keep searching because at this point we really don't have a lot of physical evidence other than her torso. So they're trying to find any other evidence and the rest of Kim's body so that she can be put to the rest and the family can at least start to move on. Obviously, this is the ocean. So is the reason that we've only found her torso from natural animals in the water? Is it their evidence that he, she was potentially like cut into pieces prior to being like that was part of the murder? Or was it just kind of like natural decomposition by the time they found her? You know, that's a good segue into what happens next. Okay, never um, mind. They're, they're sketched out by it. They're pretty sure it's not just due to animal predation. And so they're searching and they do eventually find Kim's head, arms, legs, clothing, and a saw. Um, I know some of the items had actually been wrapped in plastic and some were anchored down with heavy material. Okay, so that's, this is all pointing to a lot of aggression and anger. And the anchoring is, to me, pointing to premeditation. Absolutely, 100%. A new story, basically. What he's saying isn't adding up, obviously. Now he says, well, actually, there was a technical malfunction that happened. And Kim actually ended up dying from carbon monoxide poisoning. And he still was claiming that he buried her at sea. The reason her body is dismembered is because he had to cut her up so he could actually physically carry her body out of the submarine to dump it. That's still not, to me, explaining the stab wounds. Absolutely, it's not. What Does he have an explanation for the stab wounds at this point? No. Something mentioned okay. in the documentary, there's some, there's some odd circumstances where they're interviewing Peter and he says kind of strange stuff. And I don't want to give out too much in case you guys do want to watch it. Because I, like I said, it's a really good documentary. But he's an odd duck, and that's a nice way to put it before you find out all this stuff that happened. But he's talking about in one clip, um, if you're accused of something, you don't give much. You just hold it to yourself and you don't talk because you have the right to remain silent and then they don't have anything to use against you. And I think he carries that through this where he's only saying the minimum of what he can to make it look less awful than what it is. I'm really sorry, Peter, but it looks really awful. No matter how mm -hmm. much like you don't say, the evidence is pointing to the fact that you're terrible. And he is. At this point, they're trying to decide, okay, we need to now prove that this was premeditated and not just some freak occurrence that he took advantage of like he was planning this and they start searching through his life and his hard drive and what they find is wildly disturbing and I'm going to get a little violent here heads up but they find videos on his hard drive that Peter had watched and it includes videos of women being decapitated impaled and tortured there was even some type of video where a girl who was alive was beheaded and 
a lot of like really messed up torture films and they're thinking um, it all has this messed up sexual component to it. A um, couple web search highlights or terms I'll put, I'll put out there for you guys that he had Googled. Um, beheading, girl, and agony. And these three specifically were searched on August 9th, 2017, which is the night before Kim was taken out and murdered. He's just so... That's just gross. And I... Something that's kind of wild is... And you get this a lot from listening to the people who were around him talking. They were, like, shocked. Like, he hid this from them. And it didn't get to a point where it was like, okay, there's no way it's not <laughs> him doing these horrible acts. They were pretty sure he had actually dropped Kim off or he made a mistake. And then this starts to unfold and you can see them going, oh, he's horrible. How did we not see it? And the hard drive, which I thought this was interesting, he tried to say, oh, well, there's a specific intern that lives basically in the shop and it was probably him. He had access to it and the interns in the documentary. And he's like, at that point I realized he's trying to sell anybody down the river that he can to save himself. Okay. So I would be a little bit more willing to say, entertain this intern theory. If mm-hmm. the intern had been on the submarine at the time that these exact acts took place. I, I'm so confused because Peter, to me, seems like a smart guy. He's smart enough to, like, design these rocket ships and these submarines and all this stuff. But then it comes to this, and he's just, like, literally pulling at strings and, like, out of left field coming up with random things that make no sense. Right. It seems like he realized he was screwed and was just trying to see if anything would stick that he threw out. And there is identification and confirmation from some of the interns and some of the documentary footage that I mentioned earlier, there was a woman making a documentary at the time, all this unfolds. And you can see, um, for instance, the saw that was found in the shop the morning or the day before, and then later on it's gone in the background. So they know Once it was again. taken. Yeah, it it's all points to premeditation. He brought these tools on the submarine. He clearly had been thinking about these kind of acts before if he's searching it and watching them. Also, I feel like this is a really, really violent crime for, like, a first kill. Is No kidding. there any suspicion? Did he have any sort of, like, criminal past that you know of? Not that I know of, um, which is kind of crazy, and I don't, I don't really know what to make of that, to be honest. On January 16, 2018, they uh, released a new indictment for Peter Madsen, and they're talking about the homicide, and they use some quotes that I'm going to read to you guys. Quote, took place with prior planning and preparation, as well as sexual relations other than intercourse of a particularly dangerous nature, as well as for dismemberment, end quote. On March 8th, 2018, the trial begins, and Peter's a little odd throughout this. couple things notable. He talks about himself in third and first person. He's kind of switching up past and present tense. He makes movie references and claims that when he was 
giving the lies of what actually happened. It was because he was actually trying to like spare the spare Kim's parents from knowing about how gruesome it actually was. Like he was like having some type of remorse is what he's trying to claim basically is what I'm guessing. And he claims that the videos and watching women suffer brought out his quote empathy and tendency to always root for the underdog end quote. Excuse me. What? Yeah. Also now he's admitting that he was the one watching these videos and not the intern. Yeah. I think that's what he's trying to own up to, but he still had pled not guilty and is still maintaining. I don't want to say maintaining innocence as much as he's not, he's not admitting to anything. A court-ordered psychiatrist does determine that Peter was a narcissistic psychopath who lacked empathy, which, no surprise there. (laughs) I mean, you have to have a lack of empathy to be able to do that to somebody. During the trial, the prosecution is, you know, supporting the fact that this was premeditated, it was planned, and he took advantage of Kim Wall and her drive for her career, basically, saying that he he basically did this to fulfill a um, violent sexual fantasy, is what they say. And you know, I don't I don't think it was any. I can't imagine there was any or many people who would have discounted this claim because it it seems pretty obvious that everything the prosecution is laying out is likely what happened. When it's all said and done, he is found guilty of premeditated murder, aggravated sexual assault, and desecrating a corpse. And he's sentenced to life in prison, and he's also ordered to pay funds to Kim's boyfriend, and also had to pay for the submarine to basically be destroyed. In October of 2020, um, at this point, Peter's then wife had divorced him, understandably, but he actually had married someone else he met while he was in prison. I think through a pen pal thing. I didn't get too much into her stuff because I don't care. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't understand that. That's a whole nother episode. I just don't understand that. Anyway, Peter in October of 2020 actually manages to escape from the, and I am not going to say this right, so I apologize. The Hersedivester prison um, is the prison he was serving his sentence at, and it's it's in Copenhagen. And he had used a fake gun and had a belt on that he claimed was explosive. And he basically threatened to kill prison staff if they didn't let him out. And he got out and made it about a half a mile from the prison. And armed police are already there. There's news crews. There's footage of him there's a photo of him sitting on the ground with the belt and they're able to obtain him they bring in like a bomb squad who are like yeah no that's not real (laughs) and so he's just completely nuts yeah i well it's that narcissism that comes into thinking he could get away with that like not even a sneaky escape he just went like full-blown bring all the attention they give him another 21 month sentence for this but at this point doesn't matter i found something interesting apparently prisoners who get sentenced to life in denmark can be eligible for release on probation after 12 years what 
Do they not? Do they have a like life without parole? Sentence, I'm not sure or? if they do. Okay. I don't. I mean, it kind of sounds like no. I think they reassess after this 12 year mark, but it's very likely because of the attempted escape and the violence that came with it. He's probably not going to be granted that. In addition to the violence of his crime, I would hope not. I shouldn't maybe put it out there like that, but I would also hope not. After his jailbreak attempt, he was actually moved to a higher security facility called the Dortstrom Prison. Again, probably butchering these names. I apologize. And something else I want to know, there was a documentary that came out that I mentioned earlier. That's not the Netflix one. And I see down here I have, it was on Discovery Networks Denmark. I'm not sure if we would have access to that in the U.S. or not, but... In it, it releases some interviews and some chats, I guess, with Peter, where he actually finally does kind of admit his guilt. He says it's his fault and that he's the one who's guilty, which is kind of surprising considering everything he had gone through to try to not make those claims. Either way, as I've said throughout this, you guys are probably tired of hearing me say it. I recommend watching that documentary on Netflix. I'm planning to check out this other one that I haven't got a chance to see yet. I'm sure they're both really well done. I know specifically the one is. And I really didn't go into a lot of the nuances of some different details that involved Peter and some of the people that worked for him. And I just I can't recommend it enough. Thanks to listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. All of our sources can be found in the show notes for each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also support us by recommending us to friends and family, giving us a good review on Apple Podcasts, or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.